0: Hey now, Rob here, Rob School of Music, and I am so excited today because I get to hang out with someone that I have known for over 20 years, uh, at least, the legendary Mr. Jake Bowen from Periphery.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: (laughs) It's going good, man. It's going good. So uh, we went to high school together and we both played guitar in high school and, you know rock and roll dreams were a big part of that process and one of us got to actually achieve them in the coolest way possible so i'm just really excited to kind of dig in and hear you know your steps along the journey
1: hey man i appreciate that but don't discount what you've done too i mean i drive down uh i've driven down the street and i'll and i'll, I'll be looking to the right and i'll just see this giant billboard with your face on it your cartoon <laughs> face and i was just like, ah, oh, good for rob that's that's awesome so uh i really like what you're doing
0: Thanks so much, man. We are we're a music school, Rob School of Music, you know, and and being in the education space, I think one of the most important most important questions to kind of ask because this is the question that's asked to me by a lot of our students, and I guess we'll we'll go backwards from here. But just just in general, like when you're going to perform, how do you prepare for that? Like you're on big stages with tons of people and a lot of technical things where things can, you know hopefully never go wrong, but can go wrong? And just how do you mentally prepare yourself for all of that?
1: That's a really good question because it's kind of like what I've been trying to figure out at this stage of my life. Um, I'd always just assume in the past that, okay, if I have like, you know, two or three weeks, I can get all the material I need to know down and and I will be, uh, I'll be good to go. And then as I spend more and more time doing this job, I'm like, hmm, I don't like that about my playing. I don't like when I do that. I'm slopping that. I like I realize that there's all this stuff that I kind of in order to economize my practice time, I kind of sweep under the rug. And I don't want I, I decided a couple of years ago that I don't want to do that anymore. And uh, I started really getting out in front of the practice schedule. Um uh, before a tour so to even like even though the guys probably make fun of me because i'll be asking about the set list like you know months in advance just so i can get a head start and it really helps like you know i I feel like i can really drill down on things and and kind of uh make sure that i'm not just doing like good enough like i'm really actually representing the material as it sounds on the recording because you get a lot of these bands And you can kind of even hear it. It's almost like you can guess, like, all right, right, there's a lot of studio tricks on these recordings. How are they that good live? And a lot of times it never really kind of like hits that spot. And I'd even say Periphery is guilty of that, too. But I think that like we all have like made efforts in earnest to try to make that as authentic an experience as possible while having kind of like that pristine, really, um, uh, technically proficient production style that we, uh, that we use on everything. So, um, as far as like what the practice getting ready regimen is composed of, it's like, it really is just kind of going, making sure I know all my parts, but then making sure I know what the other guys are playing too, or at least having an idea of what it is in my head. Cause I, I can play my parts better if I know, what they're playing and what's going on rhythmically. Um, you know, because like we, we do a lot of layering, and you know, sometimes the, the layers are kind of in a different sort of rhythm than the, the main riffs. So um, trying to just like really understand the music is the most important part. And really, I just go through, I have stems of all our recordings, and I just go through and kind of uh, nitpick everything. So that's, uh, without getting into, uh, you know, specific exercises, which I don't really do a whole lot. That's probably the biggest component of my practice.
0: That's awesome, man. And, and, and it makes sense. And it's, it's so fascinating to me cause I've asked variations of that question to a lot of different professional musicians and everyone, everyone has their own unique answer, but the, the preparation element is always a big part of it. You know, if you know your stuff, you're going to do your stuff and then you can only control so much. So I appreciate the, yeah. that answer. And
1: like the, the other thing too, is like to realize when you're playing something at home, the feeling that you experience when it's, when you're playing live is so much different. The way the passage of time is actually like discernibly different. And you kind of have to learn how to um, attenuate that sort of pace for a show because sometimes a show can be really you that know, feels really really fast and then a show can be like wow this song is way slower than I ever realized and kind of being able to harness your adrenaline where it needs to go is also an element uh, to keep in mind it's not anything you can practice you actually have to it's this is why the practice is so important it's because you Work on it so much to where it is just innate. It's muscle memory at that point. And when this other factor comes in, your chances of staying on the beat are way better if you know the material like the back of your hand. So that, that's kind of like I think that's what we're contending here with, at least on the level that I'm playing.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, I kind of actually you I'm going to go to a tangent here because you talked about the stems. Uh, at the school here, we have a stage that I built in the front, and everyone is on modelers. It's a it's a Roland V drums. Everything is is digital, so to say. Everyone has their own headphone mix. So I'm letting young musicians get the experience of sort of having whatever they're going to hear specific to them. When you guys are on stage, what what are you hearing in your ears? Is the stage noiseless? Is the, the click obviously is going the whole time? But like, what what's what's in your head?
1: Uh, so there's a number of things going on, and I'll try to I'll try my best to kind of
0: explain
1: them without getting too uh, techno jargony or whatever.
0: Um, go 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 nerdy. It's okay. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so we run a wireless in ear monitor package where we have custom molded in ears that go into our ears. This then goes um, to a setup that is attached to a computer. And the computer sends out our click track, uh, any backing tracks that we have going. And we also have our own individual mixes of what the other band members are playing. So I have, you know, Misha, Mark and Spencer and Matt all in different places, volume wise and, and mix wise EQ wise in this whole thing. So it's basically like playing in a virtual room and that uh, I think that was probably the biggest step into becoming uh, a tighter band and a more professional man is because when you're we, I played with floor wedges for so many years and that stuff will make you deaf and it's yeah. fun and it feels really, really good uh, that we actually figured out a way where we can have the in-ear thing, but also have some stage volume too. So you can feel that kind of like air pushing at you. If you walk over to your cabinet or, you know, you got the people in the front row who, if you didn't have amps and cabs on stage, they would have to be kind of far further back in order to get the kind of the full sound of the band. So what we do now is um, we have amps and cabs on stage as well. And, through our guitar processors, the things that make uh, our guitar tones and, and um, you know, every the periphery sounds, we can um, split that to where one, go, one guitar signal goes to the amp and cab, and that same guitar signal gets split and goes to front of house where our sound guy is controlling it. So that way we kind of have the best of both worlds, and um, we're not going to go deaf. The audience up front will be able to hear what's going on. We can enjoy that sort of like air being pushed vibe on stage, like a loud rock show. And uh, the one other thing I'll mention is that we also don't have any pedal boards. We go in advance and program all the sounds for the songs that we're playing. And we have mini messages that are being sent out through the computer into each one of our guitar units. And it changes it right on the beat or whenever it needs to be changed in the song. So that way I don't even have to think about going over to my pedal board because there have been a bunch of times back when we were on pedal boards where I'm like, Oh, I got to, I got to run across the stage and change my sound. So we don't have to do that anymore. It lets us be more free. And uh,
0: having the wireless
1: rig is also, you know,
0: kind of crucial to that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now, that I think is super important to understand because when I first was just turning you know younger kids onto so you're gonna put on headphones and then you're press this button you can only because what we do with it is let's say we have three guitar players playing in a band I don't know if you're familiar with that but <laughs> uh, if one yeah. if one of the kids is maybe not as good as the others or not as you know at an earlier place in their journey cleaner way to say that um, we'll say okay everyone click number five turn them off so the other two guitarists they don't hear him but he can hear everything so he can get himself comfortable so it's sort of an education spin on that's the a really good idea man. Thank you and and it works fantastically and they're all rocking out and you can kind of see the kid who maybe doesn't know what they're doing as much but to them they're having fun and that's kind yeah, I mean, of Yeah getting thing.
1: over getting over that initial hump when you first start jamming with other musicians is is really tough because you kind of You don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know like what your aptitude for the material is. And that kind of lets them dabble in it and then not disrupt what else is going on. But it's uh, I'm sure the transition is less jarring because I remember uh, being very scared when I first played
0: in front of people. Uh, Dude, absolutely. It's so surreal. I just... Like, I'm going to go super meta here, but I was just at Suffern High School last week. I had to give out a a scholarship and I'm I'm backstage where I'm like, I'm where Guitar Club was, you know, and then 1990, whatever. And I just had all these flashbacks of Tom playing the drums and your beautiful Purple Ibanez and just all this stuff. so I met you in ninth grade, but you already were musical. What what made you prior to that say, like, I want to be a guitarist and get into this? Was it a concert? Was it a record? Like, what was the genesis of what you became?
1: Um, I think it was probably going to like Alto Music uh, for like maybe the first time. I might have been there before, but I was old enough to kind of like look, like notice things and be curious about them. And um I saw a bunch of like Jacksons or Ibanez's or whatever they had there at the time. And I was like, man, those look really cool. Like I, I had no concept of how they were used, what they sounded like, what was the difference between a good guitar and a bad guitar? No idea. Brand new. And, uh, I, uh, that was kind of like the thing where I was like, maybe I want to play guitar. Maybe I don't want to be in little league. Maybe I want to play guitar. And, um, that, that was probably like when I was eight or nine years old. So a long time ago.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's always fascinating to me. Like, what's the thing? Because everyone has their thing. It might not be like one very specific moment, but it's a collection of things that as we grow into it, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that definitely like, yeah, I, I wound up in the right place.
1: Yeah, that, that I mean, that, I, I'd say that that was probably like my oldest memory like that's I, beyond that i can't remember being interested in guitar music but like you said it's it's multiple things and and you know if each thing kind of pushed me further in that direction and um yeah it's a you know it's, it's never one thing i guess is the thing that you know any aspiring musician who doesn't know if they want to do it or not it's just like just let it happen naturally because it will right. it
0: will absolutely will completely yeah if it's done organically you're just going to find your way to what you are at what point did you start to realize that wow this could this could be my job this could be my career i mean just just to you know now be someone you know you got your own pickups you got multiple signature guitars i pre-ordered the blue one when it first was released sweetwater has not yet sent it to me but i will have one eventually oh wow um,
1: thanks i did because
0: that. that's that's when you came and did the the talk here you had i guess the red one but it, it was it's that guitar kind of so it was like oh my god if i can have one of those i'm gonna have one of those but it's just yet <laughs> to come yeah um yeah, what cool, was man. your yeah, cool. oh dude yeah no i'll make it'll be in all my videos i'm psyched what cool. at what point in your journey did like periphery come into it or whatever was before that that led you into where you became in terms of now this is what you do for a living
1: Yeah, um, I think I might have prematurely thought that I could rely solely on the band, like as a career, because I remember I remember the moment I stopped working like a normal job. I, I was working at this place and they wouldn't let me go back to New York for Thanksgiving. I needed time off. And they're like, no, you have to work. You have to work on Black Friday or whatever. It was some like bullshit real oh, sorry, I didn't mean to swear. It's oh, uh it's- <laughs> We
0: okay. are a house of art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Good, good, yes. Um uh yeah, so like it was a it was a retail job that like I really didn't care about and I was already kind of like at one foot at the door, you know, any day of the week. And um they are like, You can't you have to come into work and I'm like, All right, well then I quit, so then I don't have to come into work. Right. And um and when I did that, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to stick to my guns here. And, um, I, you know, I tried my best not to spend any money and just, uh, work on the band until, uh, until it like started to, you know, make it enough money to pay the basic bills. So, um, I don't recommend what I did to most people because like, if I didn't have like great friends and, uh you know, people supporting me, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So um, don't recommend just, you know, telling your, your job to stuff it, even no matter how good it feel, because it did, it felt great. Um, (laughs) But yeah, um, I'd say when I really started to take notice of like the status of the band changing was when our second album came out, Periphery 2. And I think it came out in 2012 so 2012 is when i really started to like uh, make moves bigger moves with the music
0: that's incredible i mean your albums are just fantastic the newest one is insanely awesome epic and huge uh gent is not a genre that's just amazing (laughs) um what i guess it I would like to focus on real quick just the the gear side of things i know a lot of uh, young students they're like they go on instagram and they're like watching some dude who's shredding their face off and they're intimidated by it i'm like dude no don't choose choose inspiration not intimidation and you'll find your way um which i guess is the overarching theme of this you know you as a guy you get to say i have a signature guitar signature pickups like what is the development side of that because that's such a special rare incredible achievement and i think it's i'm just really curious what what that process is like
1: yeah um so i kind of piggybacked my first signature guitar off of the rising sort of status of the band and um, this was back when your social media presence it's social media presence is like a very dynamic and ever-changing thing. So it it was just at this point in that particular time of social media where like you could post something and people would get really excited about it. Whereas like now it has to like be part of an algorithm and you're basically like tricking people into seeing your video. And it's like, um, it was a little different back then. And so like, I, I, I posted a picture of Uh, Of a custom shop And people kept hitting me up They're like is this going to be a signature Is this going to be a signature And that thought had never crossed my mind I'm like I'm not the kind of player That gets a signature guitar I'm you know I just didn't I didn't really feel worthy of it But um, I kept getting that question So I was like "All right, well You know if you want to see this Just email Ibanez and tell them And eventually They hit me up Because of enough people hitting them up And that's kind of how it started. And it it wasn't like uh, it wasn't anything that I thought like I was uh, worthy of at the time. And um, it was uh, it was just due to the fact that like I designed a cool guitar in the in the custom shop enough, like cool enough for people to actually want it. Um, So actually it looks like this. Uh, this one has dust all over it because I haven't been taking care of my stuff. But um, this was actually the second version of that that uh, guitar. This one's pretty old. This can't, I had this since like 2013 or maybe. Um, but um, oh, that's a seven string. I oh, know. I think it was a seven string. Anyways, I'm thinking loud. out. <laughs> um, and then when that happened, I was like, I got, I got big ideas in my head. I'm like, Oh, Hey, you know what? If I'm getting a signature guitar, I should get a, I should see if I could do a signature pickup and then they can both come out together. And that would be really cool. So I was with Demarzio at the time. I'm still with them to this day, but I had just, got, I had just signed on with Demarzio. I probably only been with them a couple of years and, um, I was just like, all right, this is a shot in the dark, and they're probably going to be like, no, but you don't know unless you try. And they were very excited about it the moment I brought it up. So um, in, like, kind of one sort of, like, moment, I went from just some guy who just thinks he plays guitar to now someone who they want to build guitars for. And it was uh, it was very surreal and, and kind of, uh, you know, I'm still in shock that I can... You know that that's part of my life, and I feel very very lucky. Um, and uh, it's just it's a good feeling, and and I love the guitar, so it's like it's I think it's extra cool to like put something out that you really believe in and that you use because I feel like it's very easy, especially now, to kind of get into sort of like um, like an endorsement black hole where you're constantly known as the guy that like tries and you know applies new gear in really cool and interesting ways and um, I really just I believe in this guitar, so it's
0: nice. It's awesome. How how did you go? So like I'm a PRS guy. I love their guitars. I like the woods they use, but I always think to myself, okay, well, if I had a one Rob, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I let one of my students borrow. I I had the that the SE one, and I let one of my students borrow it, and he hasn't given it back yet. Uh, I I
1: wouldn't either. It's great guitar, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. But, like, in terms of like tone woods, like or or tram or, or non trem like I've always struggled in my mind because I love it all. How were you able to say, this is Jake in the moment, like a snapshot of of your favorite things?
1: I've experimented all a lot. like i'm I'm kind of I, I, I've always been the kind of gear guy where like I don't get rooted into one. I used to get rooted into one thing. I used to be like only mesas and Ibanezes. that's all I play. <laughs> And then I started hanging around Misha and other guys who are just into just crazy about gear. Then I realized something that there's space for everything, everything you can use. And I all my guitars are are different, like different wood, different um, uh, strings, different pickups and stuff. And they all inspire differently. They all have uh, mojo, as I like to call it. And each mojo is unique and and it's uh, you know, depending on what guitar I pick up will really inform what I'm writing. As far as like putting it into a signature thing, that's when you have to kind of like so like settle down on on something and have a good reason why. And my reasoning for why I went for the specs on my signatures at the time with the first guitar, the JBM 100, I was really into like mahogany, and uh, I had a maple top on there. And it was just a really dark sounding guitar, and I think dark sounding guitars sound great live because when you're playing live, there's all of this like high end that's added in there, and it, you know depending on the room and all that. So you, you know, it's probably the difference is probably minute, but you know I prefer to kind of like go on the less bright side of things. At least I did back then. Now I've changed a little bit because my tone has changed. My my picking hand has changed. My pickups have changed. So now I'm
0: using something a little brighter. Knowing that you like all these different guitars, and I know you're a fractal guy. I think when we did our last talk, we were talking about the ax Effects FX3, which I have since gotten, and I love it. And now I gig with an FM9, and I absolutely love that. And I could never imagine to go back. I have a million fantastic amps in here, but just for live use, it, it just makes more sense. If you're on a desert island and you had to have one guitar, one amp that is not a, you know, digital multi-effect sort of thing and one pedal, what would you pick?
1: Um, I would probably pick my, uh, this LA Custom Shop. It's not here right now. It's actually with the gear, with Peripheries gear. Um, But it's, uh, it's basically like a, a black and gold version of my signature, kind of of my new signature that, uh, I kind of like put the two guitars together uh style like shape wise the it's the one my newest one but color wise it's my original one and then the other thing that's in there is an everton bridge so um yeah i i i think the everton is one of the uh it's probably like the most important guitar invention um since the humbucker probably uh i i don't i it's so important for low tune music in my opinion just any music and just staying intonated guitars are like notoriously poorly intonated instruments and sometimes that's what makes them fun but when you're in a band with three guitar players or where like precision is you know priority the EverTune is just you know i i love that thing um and then uh let's see you said amp i have to pick an amp yes um Hmm. i get and it can't be a modeler it's got to be an amp
0: yeah yeah because it's it's too easy the other way
1: yeah 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 i can't it's like a cheat
0: yeah um which is how you answered it when i asked you this question the last time so i'm preparing for uh (laughs) all
1: right um i'd say probably the pv invective i think that's probably the best modern high gain amp out and um it's funny because Misha was one of the guys, the other guy in my band, in case people watching don't know that, but um, he's the guy that helped design that that amp. And it, it just addressed all of the stuff that me and him used to complain about, like back in the early days when I was using a triple rectifier and he was using an angle invader. And we just like, we'd have all these things, like why do they do this? And why do they do this? And why isn't it like this? And is it really that much more to put this in there? And, like, the Invective addresses all of that. It has, like, uh, has a boost in front of the, in front of the, uh, for the input. It has a noise gate. It has two effects loops. You could change it via MIDI. It comes with a really robust foot switch. The clean channel is great. The crunch channel is great. The lead channel is great. Like, it really excels in all of these categories. And it's, like, it's kind of funny, like, that, it has all these features and it's like, you know, this really like huge amp and it costs the same as like, you know, another high end amp. So I'd say, I'd say that's kind of my, uh, my amp pick. Okay.
0: And a pedal. And then what was the third thing? One pedal, pedal,
1: Pedal. um, probably just a digital delay. Uh, I used to love that. Um, i think it was a dl4 line six dl4
0: is that right the right number DL C- six. yeah yeah not four with the with the four buttons
1: yeah the the green, the, green, the green rectangle one. yeah 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 probably that one i i don't i i i've kind of like backed off pedals a little bit just because i've tried so many of them and i don't know what i like but i remember i spent a lot of time with that line six And I used to write really fun stuff with it. It was like one of the few pedals that also had a reverse delay on it too. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can get really like trippy and melodic and you can do very like ethereal and atmospheric stuff on that pretty easily. So probably that one.
0: Yeah. And it took four C batteries. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, So random for a pedal.
1: Yeah. I remember it like, you know, given my, I used to have that, um, I think they're called one spot and it like you yeah. daisy chain all your pedals. And uh, whenever I'd plug that one I'm like, ooh, this one's a big power power draw, Let's see if mm-hmm. it works.
0: <laughs> awesome, dude. All right, well, before I go into the rapid fire part, just like if you were to talk to a younger version of you, because I every day in my life, I see young versions of us, not to generalize, but just rockers first finding metallica first finding pantera first finding dream theater first finding you guys and they're now inspired they want to do it like now having been in the game professionally for over a decade and over 25 30 years just in general like what would you what advice would you give them
1: yeah that's tough i think about that from time (laughs) to time because i it's like if i i wonder if i'd listen because i was just stubborn back then i'm still pretty stubborn I'm just different stubborn now. Um and it's I wonder if I would be the same person I was today if I changed kind of what that early version of me thought, which the early version of me is like not that cool. Like he was just like very, very stubborn, very weird, and and very kind of like didn't know why the world was the way it was. A lot of I still don't, but I also I deal with it a lot better now. Um, so I'd say like kind of uh the I don't know if you experienced this, but when when we were in school, I just felt like that was it, like that was the world, and i I always forgot that it was much bigger out there than like what was going on in that school with those people and once I like realized that I'm like, man, I spent so much time like worrying about like what people thought and like what I was doing and, and not that I like change that made me change or do anything differently. It was just a waste of like mental energy. And I'd, you know, I would probably just like try to tell myself to not be so anxious all the time. Cause like I never measured that anxiousness as I got older and, and became an adult. And I realized that like it was really it really infiltrated a lot of the way that I do things like I won't take deep breaths. I'll have like shallow breathing or I'll like I'll be eating too fast or I'll be moving too fast. And it's like it's all anxiety and anxiousness. And uh, that that started probably in adolescence. And then, you know, I let it get bigger and bigger and not not addressing it until much later. And, you know, you kind of uh, you pay the price for that. Uh, mentally and physically, you know, stress deteriorates us. So that's just a really long way of saying like, chill out, bro. Don't be stressed. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's kind of like what I'd say.
0: <laughs> dude, it, it's so spot on. And, and I don't know if it's, it's a, I'm going to say a word that is, I don't like to identify as, but a mature way of saying it because every day, dude, I watch kids who are so wrapped up in high school or middle school and this girl won't talk to me or this guy says I'm ugly or just horrible things that kids or young people are saying to each other, I guess everyone. And I say the same thing, like I was so consumed by it and it felt so heavy and so real. And in hindsight, like none of that mattered. There's so much more going on. So that is tremendous advice. And and I give that advice often. So we'll find out if it works. But I, I agree entirely. Yeah.
1: I think, I think, I think, and, 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 you know, props to you for for giving that advice, because like the, I think the one thing that kind of held me back early in life was at least in school, I really didn't like have a mentor or like people like there were a couple of like teachers who I really respected and thought they were like good people and they were idealists and they were like trying to help. Um, But there really wasn't like anybody like you now are giving advice like that, that could really, really help and really change the course of of people's lives. I mean, you're doing two things here. You're giving kids confidence to perform and create in front of others and to share a gift. And you're also kind of giving them like earthy advice about, you know, being, being kind to yourself and not stressing yourself out and stuff. So it's good. And, and, you know, I think why I kind of like meandered into life, the way that I did is because I didn't have that. And I kind of had to like figure it out and I'm just, I just consider myself lucky, but a lot of kids, you know, never figure that out.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, dude, thank you. Those are really kind words and I appreciate that very much. And that's what I'm hoping to do. So, you know, I hope, I hope, just want to make it better the confidence is important like i tell kids me 20 years ago me five years ago me like now when i'm not rob from rob school music shyest most awkward human in the world but it's like this music gives the confidence just to kind of like it's, it's almost like a suit of armor you can like just hire a shield go behind it and you're like okay it's part of your identity i don't know
1: yeah yeah it's going to the office you're putting your suit on and yeah you're, you totally know, you're doing what needs to be done and then you, you, you go and you go home and you be yourself again. You know, it's the same Absolutely. thing with with, uh, with periphery and being a musician professionally.
0: Yeah. Awesome, dude. Rapid fire questions. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. It's a this or that question. There is no right answer except one of them. I do believe there is a right answer, but we'll see if, how that goes. Um, okay. Just say one or the other. You, you don't have to justify your answer, but you're more than welcome to. Ready? Okay, let's go. Humbucker or single coil?
1: Humbucker.
0: All right. Yeah, all run. right. Yeah, justify him, do it, yeah. yeah. Because you can split a humbucker. No one has said that yet, but you're totally right. <laughs> People give me these hard, passionate, like, no, because you get more dynamics with the single coil, but the humbucker is more metal. No one said that. So easy. Great job. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, Les Paul style guitar or Strat style guitar, meaning you know, like solid body heavy thing or like more like uh, Um,
1: I'd say it's funny because I play a guitar that's a mixture of both. I have the dual humbucker or my old signature has a dual humbucker uh, configuration, which is like LS Paul. And I have uh, the switch configured to where I can split the humbuckers into more of a strat style sound. So if I got to pick one of those two, I'd probably go to the strat just because I like that split sound, especially when it's overdriven and you're playing it with somebody who's not playing a split coil sound and you can kind of layer them and it makes it sort of like a, it has like a bass tonality to it a little bit, especially when you're riding on the low string. So i probably go
0: with the Strat. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Tremolo or hardtail style guitar? (laughs) Ask me like 10 years ago and I would have been like Floyd Rose
1: all the way, man. Um, but i'm now a hardtail guy i feel like i have enough guitars with floyd's on them and they give me enough headaches to where like now everything is going to be evertune uh you know or hardtail
0: cool okay um for your guitar pick is it a thin medium or thicker pick
1: thin i got one right here and this is how thin it is really yeah very thin Um, and I can explain why there's a reason there's like a technical reason why it's thin. So when you have a band with two other guitar players who all pick really, we all pick really hard. I'm probably the lightest picker out of the bunch, but we all pick really hard. Um, and, uh, when you're picking the string, you're sending it out of tune just enough where it won't be like out of tune when you're playing, but if you're playing it against other instruments who are also sending their string out of tune, you have this really like crazy warbling effect, which if you were to listen to like live stems of us playing, the older the older versions of us would sound way more out of tune because we were using uh, let's see here. I got I probably have I still use these picks whenever I want to like do some crazy all picking stuff. If, freak is it ah here we go so this is more of like a jazz three mm-hmm. shape like the dunlop jazz series and this is much much thicker oh, yeah um see that one bends like that and that one's like really wow. hard to bend. but um but yeah so we all move to the uh dunlop flow these are the flow picks um and uh now with more give on the pick that means less detuning on the string upon attack so um it's it's probably most people wouldn't notice it maybe they would i don't know maybe i'm not giving people enough credit but it's enough in the ears where we're like this sounds better when we play it with the with the thinner pick
0: that's awesome i would have never guessed that that's really cool um that just totally threw me off even more i was gone uh, okay uh, st- String gauges I mean this is hard Because you use a lot of different tunings But then with the EverTune You could use 8s and tune it to G And no one would know But um, Pretending that you're just using A regular guitar Do you like 9s And standard tuning Do you prefer 9s, 10s, 11s?
1: Um, And standard tuning Which I don't play in too much anymore Actually right. My 8 string is tuned to standard This guy right here Um awesome. But uh, let's see. What do I have on this? Um, actually I actually have to look that up because they're just the uh, they're just the D'Addario um, NYXL eight string pack. NY eight string pack. Let's see. I can tell you exactly what the gauges are here. Nine to eighty. Okay. So it looks like I preferred nine. Oh, wait. You no, know, that's the super light. That's not. That's not the one. But what I'm looking at is no, it's not that either. Huh. They don't have the right pack on here. Oh wait, here it is. Ten to seventy-four. Wow. Yeah, here it is. Ten to seventy-four. Um, I'm, I'm on the I'm on a website right now looking it up because I'm a nerd. Um, all right, here we go. 10, 13, 17, 30, wound, 42, 54, 64, 74. Um, so that's probably what I would use on a, uh, on a normal six string, but this one has those extra, extra two six strings with it. Um, yeah, so I have a, I have a signature set coming, uh, with Horizon devices, Horizon strings. And I can tell you the gauges on those. In case somebody like wants to make a pack out of like whatever gauge, like whatever strings, they can just use these gauges. So yeah. I have ten, a fourteen, a seventeen, a thirty-one, and a forty-three, and a fifty-eight for my six string. And that's the fit that that gauge combination. That's for anything from drop C to uh, this uh, to this G tuning, where like the two low strings are both G's. And um, so the rest that. of it's down. So. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, let's see if I can show you real quick. Oh, that's a terrible noise. All right, let's see.
0: You guys do the uh, the that G tuning, because that's, that's different to have two of the same. That was the Mark thing. Yeah?
1: Uh, that Mark, Mark started playing that tuning, like, probably on, like the tour whatever tour we were doing right before we did um uh the periphery four and uh he'd be like we'd be about ready to go on and we can hear each other playing in our ears uh and he'd just be noodling around with that that tuning so both me and Misha are like show show us that tuning and then uh, we all just kind of started writing stuff with it because it can it can sound like um like that's eight string territory you know Mm -hmm. um so you can have like an eight string sound on a, uh, a six string. I don't recommend it unless you have an ever tune though. I I played enough shows on a standard bridge uh, in that tuning to where I'm like, this is not sounding great. So if you're going to, if you're going to play in that tuning where it's G uh, G C F A D, then have an ever tune because it's going to be too low to stay in tune. Wow. Yeah, it's cool though. It's definitely cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun.
0: All right, I got more rapid fire questions for you. Ready? Play it right on. Um, rosewood or maple fretboard?
1: Or ebony? Um, yeah, I guess it depends on the guitar, the build. I mean, uh, I probably have mostly rosewood guitars that don't have ebony. I've always been, you know, an uh, ebony fretboard guy, but I have a maple guitar that the purple one you mentioned uh, that i had in high school i still have that guitar that has a, a flame maple fretboard which i think looks really really good and um uh, a bunch of my like i had a indonesian versions of my signature come out and they used to have rosewood they might have rosewood again but because it went like they put it on the endangered list and then they took it off and we moved over to uh Jatoba, I think it was. No, Naito. Whatever. Um, but we might have won- gone back to Rosewood. I, I forget. But um, but yeah, probably Rosewood. Okay. Uh,
0: for your distortion, if you're not using you know, Fractal, do you prefer amp gain or pedals pushing it? Um, I guess. I guess overall
1: the amp has to sound good and you know if uh, if i don't have a pedal and the amp doesn't sound good like the pedal isn't necessarily going to make the amp sound better so i probably go with uh the amp but you know there is an argument for both because you can use a tube screamer which is essentially like an eq curve for your input and you're kind of taking out a lot of that low end that just kind of muddies up a a guitar signal. So yeah, uh, there is an argument for both, but if I have to pick one amp.
0: Okay. 6L6 or EL34?
1: Uh, probably 6L6. I think all the amps that I ever owned are all 6L6. I played a lot of great EL34 ones. Um, like I remember Misha had this Engel uh, invader and that was EL34s. And I thought that amp was really fun. That was a really, cool. really cool and unique amp.
0: I was always a 6L6 guy just Mesa growing up that was the sound and then I've I've developed a, a taste for both but that took time. Would you prefer a 100 watt amp or a 25 watt amp? <laughs> uh
1: in an apartment a 25 watt amp but uh, <laughs> if, uh I I've tried using 50 watt amps for uh for like classes, clinics and stuff like that and I'd play with them and be like, man, this, you, this would not cut it in a heavy metal show at all. So definitely a hundred watt amp. Um, Cool. I think the thing that kind of drives me nuts about amps in general is that it has that volume jump at the really low volume. Like they don't have like a bedroom setting, like, or like an attenuator for the wattage. And it's like, why? Like not everybody is going to be cranking this. So um some amps do i guess but i it's just kind of annoying because you can you can kind of finagle it by like kind of keeping it right at that threshold and it'll jump if like you just kind of go like an inch or it blows your face yeah 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 and it's just like god damn it like why why do they make them like this um but yeah 100 watts
0: all right we're on to the uh effect and pedal section delay or reverb
1: Delay, because you can, uh, like, you can, I think reverbs are good for, um, like, kind of making a vibe, but I think delay is probably more useful for compositions, and you can also kind of create a, an ethereal effect by turning the feedback up, turning the mix knob up, and kind of getting a sort of re- reverb effect, you know, depending on the amount of repeats you have going and all that, so I feel like Compositionally and vibe-wise, the delay pedal uh, edges reverb out, but obviously I use both on
0: everything. Right? Yeah. This, this, these next three are just the answers, both. But it's fun to pretend. (laughs) Yeah. Phaser, phaser or chorus?
1: Chorus. Yeah, I don't mess with phasers too much because I feel like they they introduce uh, a lot of um, uh, mid range unwanted mid range into like a, a mix or whatever, because um, it's like, a,
0: like I'm not yeah, yeah, that hiss. Yeah, no, totally, you're right.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too into that. But the, I mean, when you're the only guitar player in a band, you can get away with a lot of stuff. But the whole thing with Periphery is there's so many guitar players and there's so many layers that you kind of have to be very careful about what effects you're using. Um But I'd say like the chorus is pretty useful because you can add that to anything with delay and reverb on it and kind of turn the depth up on it and the rate of which, uh, it's kind of, um, uh, I forget the, the term, but where it's kind of moving the, the EQ around while you're playing it. Um, oh, of course does this, but, um, or I should say most of them do, but you can use that to great effect when you're playing clean arpeggios because it'll give it like that sort of uneasy feeling vibe. Uh, a good example of this is uh, in synthwave music. When you hear an instrument, a keyboard, it'll sound detuned and chorus can have that effect on the guitar. And uh, it's just a, it's a fun, fun compositional tool because um, you're kind of like toying with uh, people's nostalgia a little bit at this stage in the game and a lot Absolutely. of that is just because a lot of the a lot of the stuff back then you could tune actively or you know you could set the tuning on a synthesizer to be like off a little bit and you can have the two oscillators like off a little bit and that was a that was a style it was a sound
0: yeah not totally i mean i it was interesting when i th- when the question left my mouth i figured with your electronic music you do and your solo stuff i imagine chorus can find its way into that world too so very cool yeah all right dude i got like three more and then i will let you go but thank you so much for your time so far just a couple of this or that awesome man this or that band questions beatles or stones
1: Hmm. i'd say like for because they're both legends and they both like have songs that everyone knows Mm -hmm. um i'd say as far as like legacy and sort of like uh who inspired more musicians. I got to go with the Beatles. So we have, we have them to thank for a lot of modern music. So I agree. uh, So still Beatles. Okay.
0: Zeppelin or Floyd.
1: Floyd. Uh, Because I, I, again, you're like picking bands that just, you know, basically There's there's no answer. I know. Yeah, it's just like you you you're, you're apples you're choosing apples and oranges here, but I, the reason why I would pick Floyd is because they kind of mass-produced prog music and like really like uh, cerebral music. So did Led Zeppelin in a lot of ways. Like they were like pretty like heavy for a band that existed before heavy metal. Um, but uh, as far as like Pink Floyd. You know, they were they were messing with soundscapes and odd time signatures and like lots of stuff that prog bands utilize and everyone just kind of like, oh, that's nerds music. But no one thinks Pink Floyd is particularly nerdy. So, you know, they were able to kind of like show people like, look, these are interesting musical choices and musical devices for the artist palette. Here's how everyone can enjoy these. And they didn't kind of like alienate people with musicianship.
0: Completely. So, if it's Pink Floyd, then is it Dark Side or The Wall?
1: Hmm. Is Dark Side of the Moon a concept album?
0: I don't think so. I know The Wall is, but then Dark the Side goes. Is, yeah, yeah, The Wall is, but Dark Side goes with Wizard of Oz, but that's not intentional. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it was meant to be.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not like a connoisseur. I just, it's more of a, I come from a, an angle of respect, but sure. um, yeah, I'd probably pick dark side of the moon. I felt like the wall, what they're both great albums, but the wall is like really serious. And like, it kind of, I mean, I don't know what the story is really. I, I have, I have feeling it has something to do with fascism. Um, and so like the, the subject matter just comes off as like kind of heavier and yeah. dark side of the moon, I'm sure has a bunch of heavy songs on it, but I don't know the lyrical content as well. And, um, it's just, uh, it's more of like a, a mysterious listen for me. Whereas like the wall is, you know, pretty, pretty realistic, heavy subject matter that kind of stuff but again like i'm not speaking from any sort of like place of like i know these albums like the back of my hand i i know of them i've listened to them i like them but i'm not like
0: uh dude that was the perfect uh, answer funny. that was a really yeah. good answer though because it it's, it's true in terms of like you hear some of those songs to the wall and the wall just keeps hitting you over and over again with this like oh my god stop <laughs> give me something yeah. happy
1: <laughs> yeah
0: all right two more pearl jammer nirvana yeah
1: Nirvana. Nirvana. I remember I remember um, I went to the CD store, which was I think I think where I bought CDs before like anything, like before I was able to get to the mall on my own was uh, Talk of the Town video. I don't know if you remember that place. Of course I do. It was. Yeah. yeah, um, They used to sell video games and rent movies. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I went there hoping to get a copy of um uh, corrosion of conformity's deliverance because i was i was listening I, I heard their songs on the radio and i'm like man i gotta have that record but i went there and they, it was such a small place they wouldn't have a record like that they weren't that big of a band back then right. but they had uh nirvana nevermind and i was like oh i i know the i know uh, smells like teen spirit i gotta get this record so i got that Cause I didn't want to go home empty handed and I just listened to that, that album like front to back. So um, I love Pearl jam. And I think Eddie Vedder is probably one of the most, you know, unique voices ever to live. But uh, I, I listened to nevermind more than any other Pearl jam album. Okay.
0: That's all good. Yeah. Okay. And then the one that I feel like is probably most in your wheelhouse, Metallica or Megadeth? <laughs> uh, I
1: remember, uh, I remember having this argument in school, like, because I remember I started to move towards Megadeth. And a couple of our, our mutual friends, like, would be like, nah, man, Metallica, like, what? The, why Why are you playing with this Megadeth stuff? Like, right. like, they're just a Metallica ripoff. Anyways, it's like, no, man, like, these guys are like, you know, the, the, the these guys are heavier, edgier. And anyways, I, I, I went through stages of both, and now now I love both for different reasons. I do have to hand it to Megadeth, kind of like exploring a couple of albums worth of like different sounds and then realizing, nah, but we're just going to be Megadeth. Yeah. And uh, it kind of went back to their their roots on uh, er, uh, later albums. And, uh, you know, they, I think that they can still pull it off. But I got to give credit to Metallica because they had this, uh, not the last single that came out, the one before that. I forget the name of it. Um, I think it was like uh, Lux Eterna or something like that. Yeah, is yeah. That, that was it the first one for this record. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that and I was like, wow, this is like the first Metallica song I've heard that I love since like something from uh, like uh, the Black Album. I was right. just like, this this sounds like the Black Album. And I, I you know, I, I regard that album pretty highly. So, sure. um, yeah, so that long winded answer is just a non-answer. And, That's you know, both. Both. The both. both. That's, okay. That's <laughs> both.
0: And, and it's it's <laughs> funny, like the, in high school, I was one of those dudes who was like, Metallica, what are you an idiot? Megadeth, they suck. And then like I liked <laughs> Trust, which came out when we were in high school. I liked that song, but that didn't really sound like older Megadeth stuff. And then in the last maybe three years I I found it. I was like, Oh, 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 there's something here. So it's just it's the evolution of the musician, man. We just listen to everything. The, the
1: riffing on – so I think the golden era is Rust in Peace, um, Countdown to Extinction, and Euthanasia. Euthanasia, absolutely. And the riffing on that, those albums is – it like, I still put it on, and I'm like, this would be sick now. Like, if this yep. came out now, you know, that's how ahead of its time it was, especially Rust in Peace. I still, like, you know – I I still, you know, I will have everyone in the car be quiet if Tornado of Souls comes on and like that solo, which is like ridiculous, ridiculous musicianship in in that era. And it's kind of like, I wonder what the next band who is like, who kind of has that effect on me will be.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's the coolest thing. And I guess that's like how I can conclude this is like getting to live music every day in different ways but still both getting to live music every day i think it's there's so much hope out there when you i'm sure you know when i look out here and i see all these kids coming in and they're playing guitar i'm like okay it's going to be okay when you're looking at a room full of people enjoying guitar driven music like it's going to be okay there's there's more music coming and and we're doing a good thing and rock and roll man
1: yeah yeah you can't you can't pirate a live performance you know that's that's one thing they can't take away from us yet yeah until yeah. they uh, they got AI to like make robots just do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, they we'll close our eyes and just our brain will make us think that we're definitely not. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome.